you're listening to Dear Alice, a lifestyle approach to interior design. Hey, and welcome to Dear Alice. We are talking about one of our favorite topics this week, and that is art. We've, um, we've had a really great response to our previous artwork episode, and so we wanted to do a deeper dive and get an expert on here. So we have, um, we've got Alex Marin. We're so excited. He is with us from Florida today, and um, thanks for taking the time to talk to us about art, Alex, and welcome to Dear Alice. Well, thank you, ladies. I appreciate you having me on. It's so exciting. Uh, I love working with Alice Lane and all the folks there, and I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, Alex, can you can you tell us a little bit about um, who you work for and what your role within the company is, or if you have a favorite part of your role that you can tell Absolutely. us about? You know, my my favorite part of this job is is recognizing that I'm a steward of my grandfather's company. Uh, my grandfather started the business back in 1959. My dad's been running it for about 40 years. He's our CEO and president. And I'm currently our executive vice president of sales. Um, but I also consider myself, and this is a self-appointed title, of cultural ambassador. So mm, what that I means is that. I, I've been, you know, I've been working with um, my dad's team for the first half of my career. And the second half of my career has been one of building my team for the future. And so what I really do is try to breed a culture of productivity and joy. You know, most of Americans don't necessarily like going to work on Mondays, but I love coming to work on Monday. And I try to impart that on our folks. Um, so we hire people that are happy, hardworking, honest, um, and, and love to come in to work on a Monday rather than begrudgingly, you know, drag themselves in with their cup of coffee. So, um, like I said, I manage our sales team uh, nationwide and internally. Um, and that's a new role for me. So it's, it's a bit of a challenge, but I've been learning for the past year or so and uh, things are starting to pick up. So it's really, it's really great. Oh, that's awesome. So Alex Marin is with uh, the company Soiter Marin, who was started by his grandfather, like he said, so long ago. And they are one of our favorite art vendors here at Alice Lane. We have so many favorites to talk about. Um, but we wanted to ask you, how do you guys go about curating the art? Like, what inspires you? Or how do you guys get inspired to continue to push out beautiful images and um, artwork for us to be able to purchase? Gosh, that's that's such a great question. You know, the inspiration factor comes from the world around us. And that can be everything from our newfound hobby, my dad and I, which is straight razor shaving and the beauty behind the, the Japanese natural stones that we use to, to sharpen our blades. And we look at them and go, gosh, we should scan this. And lo and behold, you blow it up and you have this beautiful piece of art. Um, sometimes inspiration is found uh, on a motorcycle in the, in the, Cherahola Skyway in Tennessee and you're going through, you know, turn after turn and there's this beautiful landscape around you and the trees are just changing uh, to the orange and yellow and brilliant reds that you see and, and, and that inspires us and then maybe we find artwork at uh, a flea market and, you know, we've just finished up a lovely uh, coffee and a croissant in Paris and, and we're just strolling through the flea market and happen to come upon a, a beautiful image that, that sparks interest in our hearts. And that's really how we curate our line is, is it, it has to hit us in the heart before we can present it to the rest of the world and hope that they like it. So um, sometimes artwork is found um, just walking down the street. Other times artists approach us and they have something completely unique and different that we've never seen before. And we think could be uh, applicable to the home fashion industry. 
Mm, I love that answer so much. And you can feel that in your work, just your passion that comes through. One of our favorite parts of market is coming to Soitra Marin and having story time with you guys and you telling us what we're looking at and how you discovered it and what it means to you because then we share those stories with our clientele and it's just, it's a love story um, visually and also to be able to hear about. So thank you for living such beautiful lives and being so poetic about it. It makes, it makes this really meaningful. I feel like people really want their art to mean something to them too. And it's one of those layers that we often um, sit in a sort of reselection with because people just want to know, they want to know the stories. And so if we present something from somewhere else and don't know the stories because they don't have them, it feels a little bit more empty. So I love that you guys really live and breathe this stuff. It's, it's amazing. Um, so I yeah. have, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, art is one of the most intimate things in our home. And, you know, you can sit on a sofa and, and you can feel the warmth and the coziness. And you can imagine having your, you know, your spouse and your dog and your kids there cuddled up on a Saturday evening watching a movie with some popcorn. You can't do that with a piece of art. You can't cuddle up with a piece of art. It's cold and hard. But what you can do is, is it can reflect who you really are. And so when people walk into your home, I think that's one of the most intimate details that they see and notice. And then they can speak to or the, the owner of the art can speak to and say, this is where I found this piece, or this is why I connect with this piece. And the artist is, is so special to me because, and so, yes, it's not, it's not, you know, the art in our line is not just art for art's sake. It's art because it matters. It's, it's, it's not just color. It's the story. It's the emotion behind it. And that's how I think we've been successful for the past 60 years. I love that. And I feel like people want or think that their art needs to match their house and that they should pick something out once they've got the room pulled together and it's like the, the earrings or something and they need to match. And I feel like like it really could start with the art and that it's a feeling and a movement and we could build from there or it's the piece at the end that really adds a pulse. Mm. And it, it, it can be contrasting. It doesn't necessarily just need to blend in with the drapes kind of a feeling. And I, I agree. Yeah, you guys very much bring that feeling to um, everything you're doing. Well, that's what's fun about what we do is, is, you know, though it can follow the design trends, you know, what we're coming out with in the spring, about 400 new pieces. Wow. And yes, we do have color boards in the office that uh, represent what the industry is looking for via color trend or design trend. Um, but we, we never go in one direction so far that we can't recover from it or that it's, you know, one look only. You know, in the Soitra Marin showroom in, in High Point, North Carolina, and I'm sure your listeners are aware of by now, um, we've got over a thousand pictures there. And of those thousand, I mean, there are the categories range from tr very traditional to very modern and contemporary to everything in between. And what's fun about what we do is we can offer to our customers art from around the world that they don't have to spend time, you know, going to Morocco and finding these handmade pillows that, that this little family creates or coming to Florida and meeting Yuki Asada and getting her Japanese flair on her ink and pen drawings. Uh, we do that for our customers. And so we try to have a little bit of everything for everybody. I'm sure we don't always succeed, but it, but it is our goal to have different and unique things all the time. I love that. Um, talk to me a little bit about, does your, so when you and your dad set out to find artwork, do you guys, are you often on the same page or, 
how does does your taste differ from your dad's taste? What's that like? You know, it's it's funny. As as I've grown in the business, our tastes have become closer and closer. Uh, growing up in his home, obviously, I, I knew his design taste, and most people think that my mom would have designed the house, but honestly, it was my dad that did all the furniture and the rugs and the color of the walls and the artwork. So, you know, the only time that we really differ in opinion is when, to be honest, when I don't understand the art that he's selecting. So he'll pull out uh, an image if we're shopping in a gallery and uh, we're you know, flipping through stacks of paper, he'll pull something out and go, Hey, look at this. This is great. And I kind of, you know, put a weird face on go, what? what? I don't, I don't get it. And he'll explain it to me. And that's one of the things that I love about my dad. He is a student of history. And that's, what's great about art is that art is history, you know, and it, it tells uh, a story of what's going on in that particular time period. And so he, he then gives me an education and says, you don't understand it because you don't understand about this particular time in the world. And so he'll educate me on what was going on. Um, for example, like with Russian impressionism and, you know, why that was so important and how it actually had to do with Russian propaganda that, you know, the people were actually starving, but they were um, forcing these artists to create imagery of a prosperous Russia of big people and, you know, thick, rich lives. And, and there's this one image of these folks, uh, these ladies, these farmers that are counting their money on an abacus and they look happy. But if you look at the the date on the back of this piece of artwork, this was a very tumultuous time in their history. And so again, art is history. And when our opinions differ, it's usually because I don't understand. Um, it, he knows so much more than I do. He's been in this industry for 43 years now. I'm, I'm coming up on 10. And so it's very rare that I show him something that um, he hasn't seen before. Um, oftentimes I'll like something and he'll go, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so I'll say, well, wh well, what about this? And he'll explain again, he's a very great teacher and mentor. So, um, but there's also great times where we're flipping through, you know, stacks of paper and I go, Hey, do you love this? He goes, Oh, I love it. It's killer. Get it. And I go, perfect. And then we're like high-fiving as we walk out the door because we, we got great art. So that's awesome. That's amazing. One thing that I've just noticed as we talked to you in all the past markets is that when your dad is telling a story, he's, you'll say you're at this gallery and then he sees a table back behind this room and he starts to see these sketches and he goes back there and he's thumbing through things and he's really interested, I feel like, even in the process more than the final edit. Do you know what I mean? He likes this, it, and probably both of you, are really drawn to the sketch and again, just kind of the first drafts and the process and the idea making behind this piece of art, which is really magical. We also love that too. And so anyway, are you also drawn to that or is that something for your dad vocalize that quite a bit? You know, we love that that hunt, that find. I think that's inherent in human nature. You know, we like to dig for things. And, you know, if if we had a different perspective on art, we would go for the obvious. And it, it's a great example. One of the artists that we work with, Isabel de Borgrov out of Brussels, um, she has these beautiful paintings in her gallery. Uh, we went and visited her, excuse me. And uh, in her gallery downstairs, she's got these amazingly huge and beautiful pieces of artwork and they're, they're finer. And, and it's, it's kind of obvious how beautiful they are. And then when we were upstairs with her husband uh, going over the contract, we noticed in their office that they've got all these little journals and sketchbooks. And 
um, my dad is just kind of being curious and he's the kind of guy that would just get up and grab a book off the shelf and start thumbing through it. And lo and behold, he finds these sketchbooks with Isabel's um, journeys, her travels are there. And he looks at her and goes, what are these? And she goes, oh, you know, I don't like to carry a camera or a phone when I'm traveling. I, I prefer to sketch in watercolor or with pencil. Uh, so that's from my uh, Nile River trip. And I just sketched while I was going along on a steamboat. And he flips through them and they have these charming, beautiful, little, like almost unfinished uh, pieces of art that she was just remembering her trip with. Mm-hmm. And that's what we ended up curating uh, or, or creating. Uh, her line was based around uh, these sketchbooks and it wasn't the obvious. And so I think we have an affinity for those things that someone may pass by. Um, whereas we look at it and we find maybe a, a portion of it that is going to be beautiful because that's also part of our, our process is we may buy a, a piece of art that is a 16 inches wide by 20 tall, but we may only use a two inch square of it when we scan it. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's the, the not so obvious that we're looking for often. And he's taught me how to look for that as well. Mm. Speaking that. of that, will you tell um, everybody about Dreams of Stone? It's, it's one of our favorite pieces of art. We sell it, it all day, every yeah, day. It, yeah. Tell them about where you found it, what it is. Um, it's, it's such a special collection. Um, and I'm so happy that you love it because when, when he first brought these, these stones home, he thought he was nuts and he goes, I'm crazy. Right. And we all kind of looked at him. Yes, but it's also great. And I'll, I'll tell you, so he wears, uh, somewhere in Europe, I, I won't tell you, uh, because then, you know, you know, the, the line, but, um, he was strolling along with his buddy, John, who's a musician and they were smoking cigars after lunch and they happened to look, uh, in this little shop and there's this what they thought was a contemporary landscape painting in this little plein air frame and so he thought it was beautiful walks into the shop and asks the attendant if he can handle it so he picks it up and he notices it's very heavy and he turns it around and he sees that it's a mirror image of the image from the front so he asks the attendant he says what is this and the attendant says oh this is a this is a landscape stone And he says, well, tell me about this. And she goes, well, through millions of years of erosion uh, and minerals running through the stones, they create these landscape effects. And what has happened is an artist has gone into nature, harvested a block of limestone, simply cut a cross section of it and polished it. And that's it. And and it it creates this effect. It looks like a cityscape or a a northwestern or excuse me, a southwestern landscape. Um, And then we went to the to the effort of blowing them up quite large and they completely transformed them. So the dreams of stone were an accident, uh, a happy accident at that. Like I said, when he brought them back, he he was asking the, the crew here if he was insane. And we said, well, let's let's test that theory. And we brought them to market. And I believe the first time we showed them, we also showed the originals and we had about 20 originals. And this is not an exaggeration. Within the first 30 minutes of the opening of market, we were sold out of the originals Mm -hmm. and people fell in love with the collection and people like you, you know, continue to promote them and tell the story of, you know, what I truly believe is manifestation of God's love in art by creating these things that someone then found and then said, I think this is beautiful. And all they did was just, just polish it up a little bit and change nothing about it. And, and we did that too. Sometimes with our collections, we'll change colors or we'll edit, you know, the artwork before we present it to the market. But these are exactly as they were shown 
you know, uh, or found rather uh, in nature. And we love them. Mm, that's the best. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I want you to tell, you're so passionate. It's fun to talk to you. Tell us, do you have a favorite piece or pieces? Mm, that is so hard. I know. Are there pieces favorite, that, you, that you live with in your home? Or Yeah, so I will tell you, some of my my favorite pieces, my, my grandfather um, was a lover of art. And I mean, that goes without saying, but he met a, a man by the name of Anton Sipos, uh, a Ukrainian man um, that was poor, but just a master artist. And so he brought him to the United States, my dad, and, and he became great patrons of Anton and bought up as many paintings as they could from him. He's an impressionistic artist and he's just masterful. And so, um, before the crash in 2008, we were selling many originals of Anton's work. Um, but after 2008, when people really you know, stopped spending money in, in original art, we held on to all of his paintings. And so when I bought my first home about five years ago, um, I slowly but surely brought Anton's paintings into my home. And, and those are some of my favorites. And um, I got to actually speak with Anton the other day. He's 84 years old now. He's living in California. He's in good health. And he was telling me the stories of the art I have in my home. And I was like brought to tears because I, I live with this stuff. And I'm, I'm talking to the man that created it. And it's what we were talking about earlier with how the story matters so much and, and how we have to be emotionally drawn to the work. Because I'll tell you, I have brought works of art home that I wasn't in love with. And within a month, they were out of the house and replaced with something that I do love and I, and I can relate to. Um, one of my favorite paintings in my home is in my bedroom, and it's called Chandeliers. And I'll, I'll maybe send you a picture later and you can see it. But it's a, a modern piece of artwork done by Anton. And you can sit on my bedside and stare at it for probably three hours and continue to find new new things within it. And, and that's what I love. So, you know, the artwork in our line is, is ever developing and I see my favorite things all the time because I mean, you guys have no idea. We have 400 new pieces coming out for the collection and Susan Habel is about a hundred of those. And we Ah. love Susan's work and there's, I have new favorites all the time. So it's almost like, I, I don't really believe that perfection exists in this world. I think that it's, you know, you reach the peak of the mountain and then you realize you look up and there's, there's, you know, another hundred feet to go and then you keep climbing, keep climbing. And so my favorites, especially within the line are ever developing. Um, but I also have uh, the original Mennonite ledger drawings that you've seen oh, in the line before. Yeah. I have those within my home. And I think those are, those are very precious and very charming and sweet. And I, I love those as well. Mm, that's amazing. So I have a question for you. I don't know if, I feel like everybody could have a different answer to this, but since you are in the art industry, it's really hard for people to choose art. We can, we can go through several different selections and, and, um, with people just trying to show them the beautiful things that we've chosen for them, but they really want it to mean something to them. Do you feel like there's something as you guys are obviously choosing so much art for all of us, and then you're narrowing it down, narrowing it down, figuring out what should take to market and actually make the line. Is there, is there a certain way that somebody should feel when they know that they found the right piece for them? Yes, that is, it's the, 
gosh, that's so, it's so hard, but it's so easy at the same time. It's, you know, it's, it, what's easy about it? Like sitting on a, sitting on a sofa, you can, you can imagine, you know, you can sit down and immediately feel how comfortable it is. And you can imagine sitting there on a Saturday night with your spouse and your dog and your kids and curling up and, and feeling that is, is easy. Whereas a piece of art is hard. You, you can't do that. You, you, you know, you put your face on the glass and it's cold and it's, it's, um, not as uh, easy to feel the emotion behind it, but I think the art is so intimate and, and I understand why a customer may um, be reluctant to make a decision because I think they really do need to know why it's important, not just art for the sake of art and throwing it up on a wall because the color works. You know, art doesn't have to match, but what it does have to do, it has to match with your heart and you have to look at a piece of art and sometimes you just go, I don't know why I love this, but it makes me want to cry. And, you know, the the intimacy behind the artwork is the artist or the subject matter. And so, um, as I was saying, it's not as easy as picking a, a rug that you can feel with your toes or, you know, a, a chair that sits well. But, you know, art can be the most, um, it can tell you the most about a person. So when someone walks into your home, and they look at, at the surroundings and the accessories and the case goods and the furniture, they may say, oh, that's beautiful. But then they see a piece of art across the room. And you've probably seen this where someone walks into your home and they just beeline it for this piece of art. And they're standing there going, oh, my God, please tell me about this. Where did you find it? It's so beautiful. And it's the story behind the art that then draws your heart to it. And um Gosh, I don't know if I'm rambling. I'm sorry. It's, no, I it's, think that's great. I love that you said it's a match for your heart. I think that's so true. And and that's how we pick our art. If if it yeah. doesn't speak to us, if it doesn't speak to our hearts, it doesn't make it into the line. Yeah. There's there's plenty of art that artists submit to us, and we maybe pick a, a small fraction of what they sent because that little bit speaks to our hearts, and and the rest, you know, it, it just doesn't it doesn't matter. And if it doesn't matter, we don't bring it to market. It it all matters. You know, yeah. everything that you see in our showroom matters. Yeah. And it means something. Exactly. And isn't it amazing as we go and we kind of match this art to the client or you go into a good friend's house and you see the art that's in their home, you know, when it's a good match, knowing that person, you're like, this feels like you. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yes. you know, obviously internally, personally, you want to react to the art, but you want it to manifest who you are you know, as a person and a family and what you guys, what you're all about, because that is what tells the story to people, the, your children, the people that come to exactly. visit you is the art on the walls. Definitely. That's awesome. Hey, can you tell us a little bit about your reproduction process there at Soitra Marin? Absolutely. Um, so, so the word clay has been uh, mixed up for many years now and, and people have probably pronounced it 101 different ways and they think it's a canvas with artist embellishment on it but if I may a jaclay is simply a, a French word which means to spray and it's a process that the the printers um, go through so that the printers are large format printers and they essentially 
uh, spray watercolor ink onto watercolor paper. And uh, the jaclays that we produce with the types of inks and the types of paper that we use, it's the finest and in, in reproduction printing. So it's, it's, it's a fine art print that is archival. It won't yellow uh, for more than 100 years. And we really pride ourselves on that. Um, the inks that we use are also environmentally friendly. In, in the jaclay world, there are also solvent-based inks versus the watercolor bastings that we use. Now, the solvents um, are not environmentally friendly. They're actually hazardous, so you, you can't you know be in the same room as the printer is running. Um, but they're also uh, very fast, they're very cheap, and they're very durable. But if you think about fashion, you know, haute couture, have you ever you know, do you, do you, uh, compare, you know, haute couture with fast, durable and cheap? Absolutely not. And so, you know, our prints, uh, our reproductions, uh, come from first the scan. So we scan everything in a very high resolution to then, uh, have this completed print that, that is very detail oriented. Um, the inks, uh, are in such a way that the color gamut is so rich in the paper, absorbs the ink in such a way that it looks like it, it could pass for an original. Oftentimes we'll have an original next to uh, the reproduction of it, especially when we're testing for color matching and whatnot here at, in our, in our offices and an untrained eye could not tell the difference. So, um, you know, Jaclays are, you know, they can be on paper, they can be on canvas as well. And so, and that's, and that's our reproduction process. Mm, that's a great. Thank you so much for the explanation. I know it's so fun because like in Susan Habel's work, which we're also a huge fan of, um, you can see, you know, the the gla or the watercolors pooling in in certain, you know, her prints are are somewhat simple to understand, but when you really look close, you can see the the different pooling of the the paint and whatnot, and it really does look so original. You almost believe that she painted it right there in Athens, Georgia, and you have the original. So it's yeah, incredible. Yeah, it, it's the uh, the image is is one of the most important things for us, if not the most important thing, and the, and the dedication to the unique print or or excuse me, the unique original. Um, and coming up with that same feeling when you get the print, because, you know, I'm sure you've done it or your, your customers have done it where they buy a cheap print or a poster and it looks okay on their screen and they get it and they go, oh man, this doesn't look very good. But you know, when you walk into our showroom or you get a piece of art from a box, you get this, oh, that's exactly how, and as you were saying, it feels like Susan just painted this for me. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most differentiating factors between us and, you know, some of the competition in the marketplace. Yeah. Okay. So you've got this incredible print. Um, is that what you call it? The G clay. Um, yep. and how do you guys go about what's the process of framing look like once you've got this piece from the artist? Are you kind of seeing it framed when you're first discovering it or does it take a while to get it just right? How do you know what frame to put on the art? And is there, yeah. here's another question. Are there certain frames that are trending right now? Yeah, both both really good questions. Uh, to answer your second question first, yes, there are certain frames that are trending right now, and I think that um, traditional is coming back in a big way. Um, you know, folks have for the longest time now, I don't know, the last 10, 15 years have been kind of rushing toward the door of mid-century modern. And that look is very beautiful. But, um, you know, as designers, you know, we're constantly uh, evolving and changing and then revisiting things from the past. And what we've done is brought back um, some traditional moldings in uh, more ornate stylings and a lot of gold, uh, but they're freshened up by 
um, cleaner mats, uh, larger images, and and not as ornate as you may have seen 20, 25 years ago. Um, can you can you tell me again? I'm sorry, I lost track of the first question. The first question is, what's your take on the process of framing? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when when we pick uh, artwork, we, we somewhat have in mind how we're going to frame it because we try to stay historically accurate. And so if we're picking mid-century art, we would generally stay within the realm of what a frame might have looked like back then. There's a great example um, in the Graham Harmon collection, uh, this artist from the 1960s and 70s. And in that time, um, modern art was becoming very prevalent but everyone had lots of traditional art in their homes. And so what they were doing, the art wasn't necessarily valuable, but the frames were mostly uh, handmade, usually um, 18 karat gold inlay or, or gold leafed. And so the frames were valuable. And so what people were doing was they were swapping out the, the artwork for this modern artwork. So you had modern art with a traditional frame, and that became this very kind of eclectic and cool collected piece of art. So what we do is we look back at history and go, well, when was this piece created and how would they have framed it then? And we try to stay within the realm of, of historical accuracy. Now, sometimes obviously we take artistic license um, with the matting and the framing uh, and, and scaling usually. But um, generally speaking, we have an idea of, of what we are going to put on that piece before it goes into, into production. So, you know, what we do is we select the images, we design with the matting and the framing in our offices, and then we send it into our production facility, which is literally adjacent to our office. And within hours, we have a prototype. And we then live with that prototype and we, we, we literally live with it. And so it sits in the office for a week or two and people can make notes and they can criticize or critique it. And we'll maybe come up with two or three renditions of the same piece and live with all three. And then we look at those and go, which one's best or which one's, you know, most appealing. And that's, that's oftentimes how, you know, you folks end up seeing it at market is because we've, you know, painstakingly gone through the process of, you know, maybe taking a half inch off of the mat, or, you know, we may have a, a different shade of gold that we want to go with the frame. Um, so that's a little bit about our process without getting too into the, uh, trade secrets, if you will. Yeah, that's great. So, so for the people listening at home that maybe have a piece that they want to reframe, or they're going to go in and get that family picture framed, as far as things that are trending right now, um, or something that you feel like you really can't m make a mistake, if they're feeling a little bit like, ah, I don't know what to do, what, what advice would you give somebody on how to frame something that they Gosh, want? you know, this this may sound pandering and I swear it's not, but I would say go find a designer and have them help you because the, the small mom and pop frame shop, you know, they're going to have their own style and their own preferences. And I don't necessarily think that they're design driven. And if you want to have something that is going to be timeless, then I think you need to go to a professional like you folks over at Alice Lane and say, I, I need your advice. What would you do here? Because God knows you wouldn't just slap, you know, a black frame on it and call it done um, because that's that's too easy. But you want to make it personal, yet you, you don't want the frame to be the, the, the focal point of the art. You want the art to speak for itself and have the framing uh, complement it. And so, it, you know, I would recommend for folks to use, you know, the social platforms that we have today at our, at our fingertips, you know, go online, find a professional and see what they do. Because 
if we can trust the judgment of professionals, I think we're all we're all going to be in a better place rather than, you know, hey, I'm a dentist and I'm going to go get this thing framed because I think I know what's best. It's like, hey, no, <laughs> go be a dentist. <laughs> Let the design professionals be the design professionals. That's a great answer. Amen. I'm not trying to straighten my own teeth, so. <laughs> uh, um, I think one of the last questions we want to talk to you about just to wrap up is um, talking about that spring collection of that 400 pieces. What are we seeing? What are we seeing as in this new, can this you new tease market? Us? Can yeah. you tease us about what's to come? Yes. Oh yes. Oh, oh gosh. Yes. So we've got um, about it. Like I was mentioning about a hundred new pieces for Susan Habel and it's, it's Susan Habel on, steroids if you will and it's <laughs> it's that. a whole new development susan her 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 breadth of 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 work is so broad where we were just dipping a toe in before and so the stuff that you're going to see is absolutely you will recognize it as susan habel but it's nothing like she's done before with us so we're super excited for that is it a lot then of we, color or is it more like monochrome it's How a lot it of color. Okay. It's a lot of color, but as you as you know Susan's line, I would say 75% is color and 25% is monochrome and that's conducive with the 100 pieces that we're coming out with. So we've got great scale, um, some mm. great black and whites, some great uh, a great cream and 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 blacks, um, but then some really exciting beautiful bold colors as you know susan for so yeah. really excited for that um dana gibson is coming out with about another 50 pieces she's whimsical light-hearted fun easy to understand art um and then we're building on uh some traditional pieces we came out with about 150 traditional pieces last market and the response was very strong and that's really um my dad's happy place and kind of the bread and butter if you will of soitra marin of years past and so we're bringing back some beautiful traditional imagery. We're scaling up the pieces because homes have gotten larger, um, but very clean frames, uh, very tidy, if you will. Um, and so what else? Um, some great new canvases. Oh, I would say we've got 30 to 35 new canvas pieces coming out. And, um, and those are just a treat. Um, Russian landscapes, uh, some beautiful things that you haven't seen from Soitra Marin uh, for 30 years, if you will, but we're bringing back some oldies but goodies. Mm, I love that. So good. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for your time. This is You're really, so welcome. This has really gotten our, um, our, our excitement rolling in. We can't wait. And I feel like people just feel so far apart from knowing how to choose art. So hopefully this will help them and their hearts and their heads be able to find the right yes. thing to live with. Um, I love your passion for what you do and love the work that you and um, your dad are, are doing today in the world. And what a beautiful job you have. It's just incredible. Well, thank you, Jess. It's it's such a joy to be able to speak with you guys, and I, I love being in your presence. And that's why I think we work well together, is because we have you know the same ideals in mind. We work from the heart, and and we want the best for the person that's you know buying that piece of art or that piece of furniture. And, and you can feel it on all ends. So it's such a joy, as I said, and, and I can't wait to see you guys soon. Cool. Thanks, Alex. Have a great day. Thank you, Sue. You too. Bye. Thanks, Jess. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like our show, please leave a five-star rating. 